Hey, it's Andrew. Just quickly before we start this episode, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, the Secure Ventures Podcast. The host, Kyle McNulty, interviews cybersecurity founders about what they are building. I enjoy it because Kyle focuses on their technology, what it solves, why they build it, where it fits in the market. Also, listeners can understand the why of these startups. In some ways, it's a great compliment to my own podcast, where I focus on the go-to-market side, not on the technology side. He's had some great guests on recently, for example, the CEO of Reality Defender, when they talked about the ins and outs of deep fate detection. Uh, he's had the co-founder and CEO of Ghost Security, and also the co-founder of Radical, Chris Peterson, who was incidentally a founder of Logarithm, where they talk about the role of AI in the SOC. This is not a paid promotion. I just simply enjoy what Kyle is doing with his interviews and get a lot out of them. Check it out. It's the Secure Ventures podcast. Now on with this episode. Welcome to episode 117 of the Sales Bluebird podcast, which exists because at B2B startups, it's really hard to get go-to-market fit, grow revenue, and scale the sales team. Sales Bluebird provides tips, tricks, experiences, examples, ideas, and inspiration from people who've been doing this for many years and at many different companies. I am your host, Andrew Monahan. Our guest today is Chris Beal, the CEO at Connect and Sell. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Andrew, it is awesome to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation, and you'll see why in a, in a minute as we kind of get into the discussion. Before we get there, though, I do have a plug to make to the listeners. For the first time ever, I'm taking sponsors for the podcast. Really early, first few sponsors I'm looking for. I actually got one signed up today, so I'm excited about that. If you do want to reach out to me and get your company or whatever you're doing on the podcast, the best way to find out more is go to the website, salesbluebird.com. And in the top menu there, there's an option for sponsors. And then hit me up afterwards if you've got more questions or want to talk it through. But if you're trying to reach cybersecurity sales teams, sales leaders, sellers, and probably a few other types as well, that's probably a pretty good way to do it. So reach out to me and we'll get that going. Chris, back to you. Six questions to get to know the real Chris Beal. These are not up for debate. They're not depends, maybes, I don't know. Quick answers is what we're looking for here. Are you ready to go? Oh, yeah. Dive bar or cocktail bar? Cocktail bar. Suite of the Four Seasons or Cabin in the Woods? Cabin in the Woods. Trick-type Jeep or German car with all the gadgets? Ooh, I used to have one of them German cars. Loved it. Uh, beach or mountains? Mountains. They say home is where the heart is. Where is home for you? With my fiance. Okay. And how did you first make money as a kid? Uh, 11 years old, going door to door, selling, we'll do whatever you want. Oh, just general services in the neighborhood? Yeah, generally involved horseship. <laughs> Is that because you lived in a farming area or just? <laughs> I did. I lived out in the country and there are a lot of horses. And people don't like to move their own horseshit. Is that what it is? They, they would, you know, I found throughout my life, I, people still prefer it if you move the horseshit for them. <laughs> That's a good lesson in there, right? <laughs> So I'm going to start off by breaking a rule of doing an interview with someone, which is talking about myself, first of all, and you'll see why. So in April, not in April, in the summer of 2014, 
I was at an early stage cybersecurity company, one of the first, I think, three or four sellers in the go-to-market team. And we were pre-product, we were in stealth mode, but we were reaching out to CISOs to get their attention and talk about what we're doing to try and transform the security industry. And as you might imagine, that's a tough thing, right? They, they, they don't know anything about you, never heard the company name before, and you're trying to get the attention of some pretty big cheeses in cybersecurity. And I remember in the summer of that year, one of the guys in the team said, hey, you know, good news, we're going to trial this tool to try and help us get more first meetings. And it's going to be really effective, but, you know, everyone needs to get on board and we're going to spend one day and we're going to trial it, right? And I, I said to Wade, so what does it do, right? He goes, oh, it's it's a dialer. It, it dials a lot of people very fast or something like that, right? I was like, okay, well, I can dial. I don't know if I need to know. I don't know how to do that. He said, no, 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 trust me. It's, it's, a, it's a different experience. Don't worry. Whatever, right? And I said, okay, so what do I need to do? And he said, okay, can you next Tuesday at 11 o'clock, can you get on the phone for an hour with one of their team and they'll help you get set up and, and get you going, right? And I looked at my schedule and I was actually flying to SFO that morning for a couple of meetings in the afternoon with my CEO to go and see some prospects. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll do the call. I'll, I'll probably just be driving from SFO down, down the peninsula. I'm sure I could just handle it from the car. So sure enough, I land, I dial in, I start talking to one of the team members at Connect and Sell. And she's talking and explaining things and all the rest. And I realize pretty quickly, I, I need to look at a screen for this because this is this is not going to work, right? So I pull over and I'm, I remember this vividly. I'm pulled over on the side of a road somewhere in Burlingame, residential neighborhood. And I got a laptop out and I'm looking at the screen and she said, okay, this is how this works. And then the list comes in, your list is here. I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, I'm sort of paying attention. And then what you would do is press this button and calls happen. I was like, this is great. And she's, okay, you're ready to go. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. And then I thought, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> when you say ready to go, I'm ready to go. You know, I've got meetings to go to. She says, no, 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 I need you to press that button right there and ready to go. I said, so what happens? Oh, we're going to get some meetings. We got some calls coming in and we're going to do some calls. Like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I'm pulled over at the side of the road here. You're telling me that we're going to be making cold calls at the side of the road. She goes, well, why not? I was like, Okay. <laughs> and so we hit the button. And I remember within two minutes, the first one popped up. And it was a director level person at Disney in cybersecurity. I forget the person's name. And I just fumbled my way through a cold call, right? As you do is, you know, someone's watching you and you know, you're like, oh my God, this is terrible. And when we booked the meeting and I came off the call, she goes, there you go. Look at that. You, you, you spent three minutes on this system and you booked your first meeting. And I remember sitting there going, that was really uncomfortable, but that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, so that was my uh, first experience with Connect and Sell. Chris, what was yours? <laughs> well, mine wasn't with the product, oddly enough. It was, I got called by a former employee who said, I want you to look at my company, Connect and Sell. Somebody used to work for me in another company. And I was about to move down here. I'm in the kind of the Tucson area right now. I was going to move down to Tucson and run a solar energy company with really exotic technology. I'm a physicist mathematician by background. I love the solar world and I grew up in Arizona. So I'm like, why not? And then uh, this guy calls me and I looked at Connect and Sell's website and I said, do you know what the phrase wholly uninterested means? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, no, no, he pivoted really well. He says, you got to meet my, my CEO, Sean McLaren. And so for me, my first experience was oddly enough, actually just talking about it the next morning at 6.30 a.m. at the Rosewood Hotel in Menlo Park, 
not that far away from where you were pulled off the road in Burlingame and uh, talking with Sean. And I, I hate to say that I got it, but I got it. I actually got it. I mean, I didn't need to be shown the product because the guy's so credible. I mean, this is the inventor of the cybersecurity industry. This is the guy who, who also invented the IBM mainframe storage industry. This is like a really smart guy mm-hmm. and very, very successful. And so I listened to his quick description and I just said, do I get this right? You've reinvented the business telephone so that the flow rate of the only thing that counts in business, which is conversations between somebody as a solution and somebody might have that problem are 10 times, you know, 10 times the flow rate. And he said, yeah, I said, I'm in. He said, well, what do you mean you're in? What does that even mean? And I said, well, I'm working for you now. Did he, did, is and that what he wanted? <laughs> I have no idea. It didn't matter to me. I don't often care what other people want, really, when you come right down to it. It was good for him. I wanted I wanted him to have a good experience, and I just thought I'd just go to work for him and see how it worked out. And uh, so we worked out a, a deal. And my first time pushing the button, I was scared to death. I mean, I'm just like, are you kidding me? This thing's crazy. I know to get a little background, I used to climb big walls, you know, rock climbing. Connecting cells much scarier than that. <laughs> Much scarier because there's just something about it. I've never found the exact analogy, but you know, if you were to say, give yourself an injection. So somebody says, okay, now here's the deal. If you inject yourself in say an uncomfortable part of your body with this stuff, it will make you live 10 years longer. You'd still go, do I really have to stick this needle in my body and push this plunger? Mm -hmm. That's what connecting cells are like. The first time you do it, it's just freaky. And then it's like, oh, um, by the way, you'll feel really good the rest of right. the day. Right? So, yeah. It's it like, oh, this is great. Right? <laughs> so it's a, it's a very uncomfortable product to use the first time. And then it becomes this sort of like, how else would you do it? I was just talking to Jennifer Standish, who she uh, is a 25-year veteran of cold calling and cold call training. She's been training people for 25 years and she's used connect and self for three weeks. And she just laughs at her former self. It's like, I used to like dial the phone, navigate phone systems, go, go to gatekeepers, ask for transfers and end up in voicemail 24 out of 25 times. I was out of my mind, you know, now I just push a button and do what I want. There's a recent video, by the way, somebody did a rap video out of one of our customers And it's called Hear the Beep, Look Alive or something like that. It's hilarious. And it's about what it's like to live in a cold calling world or a calling world where you could be doing anything. There's a guy feeding his kid. There's somebody playing soccer with their kid. And then they go, whoop, (laughs) because the beep happened. It is the funniest thing. But it's also very true that people just integrate it into their life and are doing other things. Playing with your kids. Whatever. So before we go any further, then for those that have not come oh. across Connect and Sell before, can you give us the, the kind of one minute? Here's what it does and why you should care. Yeah. So you have a list of people you want to talk to. You load the list. You dial one phone number. That's us. When you want to talk to somebody, you push a button. You wait a little bit. And at some point, you're talking to somebody on that list. Never a gatekeeper, never a voicemail, never an IVR tree, never all that garbage. That's all for us to take care of. You push the button. You go about your business. goes bloop. Pops up on the screen, shows you who you're talking with, what you're talking with them about. To them, it's a normal phone call. 
there's no funny business. And, and that's the bit that people get uncomfortable with, right? It's the, uh, it's just going to come at you as I'm used to spending an hour to get one conversation and then taking my time. And then this is going to take me two minutes and I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be put on the spot. Right. 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 And you still don't know when that's, what's funny is you've agreed to ambush yourself, but you don't know when that's why you're so uncomfortable. Yes. But it's the only way to do it. It's just a math problem that can be solved, optimized this one way. And you get over it. You get over the freakiness of it. And then it becomes the salivation. It's like, you know, because some people will look at the screen and go, who are they calling? Who are they calling? Right? Because it's yeah. fun. Some people will go play with their kid. Right. It, it's right. either way. Yeah, I remember talking to one of your team a few years back and he said, he said, I just walk around the office with my phone and then suddenly I'll get a beep and I'll know who I'm talking to and I'm a way to, way to go. I don't think to sit at my desk. I can do other things when, when it's all doing its magic. Yeah. My, my uh, good friend who works with us, uh, her name's Cheryl Turner. By the way, she's on my podcast, uh, Market Dominance Guys. There's an episode in which she, she talks about loving no-shows and why she loves no-show meetings. So it's the I Heart No-Shows episode. But she plays with her kid in the park. She has a three-year-old. So she's talking to CEOs using our mobile app. And, you know, she, she's supposed to turn a kid on the swings. I mean, think about that. And you think about in the pandemic and hybrid work will last forever. How do you integrate your work life with your family life or your around the house life if you need to cold mm. call or you need to follow up call? It's almost impossible because you have to be looking at something. In this case, you don't look at anything. We're doing it all for you. All you have to do is say something on the beat. And get going, right? Have the conversation. And go. So let's talk about that then, because I think this is the one thing when I talk to people about why on earth are you not using Connect and Sell, when I talk to my clients about it, right? The main thing they come back with, Chris, is, well, you know, it's so important these days to have this personalized call and, you know, have a specific reason. And, you, you know, how can you possibly do that if you're just loading a list and, and away you go? How do you think about that? Well, I actually think it's the other way around. I, I think you can't personalize a conversation that you didn't have. So the 24 conversations you did not have trying to get one person on the phone were not particularly personalized. They were just wasted research. Yeah. So researching somebody so as not to talk with them, which is the standard. And this is taught by people. It's like research for five minutes, five hours, five years, whatever, before you approach somebody, it's like, well, you're not going to talk to them 24 out of 25 times. So what happens to all that research? Well, you got to go back and do it again, unless you're some kind of weird genius who can remember everything you ever learned about everybody, in which case you may as well just make a list, learn it all and commit it to memory and then use Connect and Sell, right? What's funny about it is personalization starts with the word person. You're a person to another person when they hear your voice. And that's 100% of the time. They have no choice but to hear you as another human being. It's actually one of the most developed capabilities we have in our brains is to listen to somebody else's voice. And we decide whether we are going to give them a moment. We decide that in about half a second. And then we decide whether we trust them or not in seven seconds. And it has absolutely nothing to do with what they know about us other than that we're human and that they ambushed us. The salient thing you need to know about a, a cold conversation is this person made a mistake. They answered the phone and it's you. 
You are the problem. And once you recognize you are the problem, you're completely in control. That's the research that you need to do is the research about the psychology of being the problem. It's not about them. Like, do they own a dog? Do they live down here in the desert? Were they at their job for 37 years? What is their company trying to accomplish? Blah, 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 blah. All that stuff means nothing in the first seven seconds because you can't talk about it in the first seven seconds. And as Chris Voss taught me one night over dinner, I asked him, how long do we have to get trust in a cold call? This is Chris Voss who... You know, his job was selling 20-year jail sentences to hostage takers, okay? <laughs> That's tough. That's a tough sales job. Anybody thinks they know more about sales than Chris Voss, go do a little hostage work and come back and tell us how it went, how many people died. So I asked him, how long do we have to get trust in a cold call? He says, seven seconds. I said, really? Because our research says eight seconds. And he says, your research is wrong. It's seven seconds. And by that, he meant after seven seconds, you don't have a chance. You're done. If you didn't get somebody to trust you as a human being in seven seconds, you're toast. So there's your problem. And I asked him, well, what do we have to do? He said, oh, that's easy. <laughs> I thought, man, this guy's out of his mind, right? I'm checking like, is that his third bourbon? <laughs> and I said, well, what do you have to do? He says, oh, it's easy. All you have to do is show the other person you see the world through their eyes. We call it tactical empathy. And then we need to demonstrate to them that we're competent to solve a problem they have right now. I said, well, the, the, isn't the problem they have right now me? And he said, yeah, bingo, that's easy. That's why it's easy. Because 100% of the time you are the problem. And therefore you are competent to solve the problem they have right now, which is getting off this phone call with their self-image intact. That's their problem. Offer a solution to that problem. But first you have to show them you see the world through their eyes. So how do you do that? You just say something. Here's the simple words. Just say this. Say, Andrew, I know I'm an interruption. I say it just like that. I know I'm an interruption. Not, I know I'm interrupting your day. Not, oh gosh, I'm so sorry I caught you. Not, is this a good time to talk? You got to throw yourself under the bus. And you have to do it really, really fast before they do it. Because they're about to do so th it. So this is important, right? You're kind of touching on what I realized, my experience back in the day, which is when these calls come at you, it puts a lot of pressure on yourself to be good at what you do. Because if you're not, you're screwing up the chance, right? It's yeah. not that they'll remember you right. in three weeks' time. Let me be clear, right? They won't remember you from yeah. the, you know, all the other calls they do. But you're screwing up the chance to really make an impression and, and, and get that meeting booked, right? So I, I remember thinking at the time, I need to get better. I need to figure this out. So let's talk about this a little bit. I'm going to put you on the spot, Chris, if you don't mind. I'm going to give you my cold call pitch, and I want you to tear me apart a little bit and give me some ideas about how I can make it more effective. Does that sound reasonable? Sure. I'll answer the phone. Dring. This is Chris. Hey, Chris. I know I'm an interruption, but I wonder if I can take 27 seconds to explain why I'm calling. Uh, sure, Andrew. Go ahead. So, Chris, many CROs like yourself at early stage companies, they get really frustrated that they know how to optimize sales execution with the playbooks and discovery questions and problem statements, things like that. But they don't have the time themselves, and they don't have free headcount lying around to allocate to do this to the standard that they'd like to have. And I'm wondering how you deal with that right now. Gosh, um, I don't know. I think I do a pretty good job though. So, uh, you know, buzz off. <laughs> <laughs> like I, Actually, 
I hate to tell you that was that was actually pretty good. Um, yeah, the opener the opener was good. It could have been a little more. The request for the twenty seven seconds could have been a little more playful. Okay, it's a the voice you need for the twenty seven seconds part. Asking for it, can I have twenty seven seconds? Tell you why I called. A little chuckle right on the tell you why I called. And you have to remember, you're offering a solution to the problem they have, which is you. You're showing you're competent to solve their problem. So in 27 seconds, you know, I'm going to solve your problem, which is I'm going to go away. And I'm going to do it in, in exchange for you letting me tell you why I called, which, by the way, you're actually curious. About. Mm. Now that I bring it up, you're curious about it. So I'm trying to get to trust. Right. So when you're more playful on that second sentence, you were really good in the first sentence. I know I'm an interruption. That hammer on no. And then that softness of and speed on an interruption. I know I'm an interruption. And then the switch of the voice to playful and curious. Can I have 27 seconds? Tell you why I called. So and I'll chuckle. So I got to admit, when I only added that I know when you just said it a few minutes ago. <laughs> I don't. I never did that before. <laughs> I know you did it pretty so well. I'm showing myself. Well, at least I'm coachable, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> if I were to go to the second part, I think there's a challenge when you say that you know CROs like me. It's a little bit presumptuous, mm. and you have to be really careful not to get psychological reactants by making a claim about me that I haven't made about myself. Yeah, okay. So that's, that's tricky psychological ground. And given that the whole job at this point is to get curiosity. So you were going toward value. Yeah. The problem of going toward value or through value is I'm going to say inside myself, this bozo just called me up, some sales guy, and he's trying to tell me how to do my job, implying I don't know how to do my job. Which last I checked, I thought I was yeah, pretty I'm good. Yeah, I'm pretty good. At it. <laughs> and, and and even if I'm not, I'm certainly not going to confess that right <laughs> yeah. now. So the avoidance of what I call the third grade playground is super important at this point. You only have an agreement to tell them why you called. That's what the agreement is. The agreement isn't to pitch something. It's just to tell them why you called. So the why you called, by the way, is about a meeting. Yeah. You have to tell them the reason you called. I mean, right? What's the reason? So the second sentence of that needs to be something like, you know, and the reason I called or the reason I reached out today or the reason anything like that. The simplest is, you know, the reason for my call is to get 15 minutes on your calendar. Now, for what purpose? Well, to share something I know that you don't know. Why don't you know it? Because I'm a specialist and, and you're not. So the reason this is the second sentence and that's the destination is the reason for my call is to get 15 minutes on your calendar and you really hammer the 15 minutes because they're expecting you to ask for something. You're not asking for anything, by the way. You're just telling them the reason you called. The reason I called is to get 15 minutes on your calendar to share. What are you going to share? A breakthrough, to share this breakthrough with you. So the sentence before that needs to describe the breakthrough without tripping the tripwire of insulting them by implying they don't know how to do right. the job. So now you're on a high wire. And you got to move across that high wire without getting blown off on one side of irrelevance and the other side of insult. And how do you do it? This is the most psychologically delicate part. What you're going to do is you're going to turn that first trust you get. By the way, your goal for the call was to get trust, not to get a meeting, because you're probably not going to get a meeting. So get over it, right? If you get trust, you have now taken that individual off market for all competitors. 
for all time. So that's valuable. So get trust. You did it. You got trust. You did a great job of getting trust. Now, instead of going to value, go to curiosity. Curiosity is the powerful mover, the motivator for somebody to do something they did not expect to do before the curiosity. That's almost the definition of curiosity. Curiosity makes the cat want to do the dumb thing that gets killed. So so, should I tease the curiosity then or... Yes. So you do. Okay. Yes. So I've yeah. learned, Here's I've learned something about Here's something that I'd like to share with you. Something right. like that. Right. So here, here's a cheap way to do it. And it's really, really delicate. So you use the phrase, I believe, I believe that's like, nobody expects you to say that. So they're already curious. Why would you say that? Why, why are you telling me what you believe? You must really believe it or you wouldn't say it. Right. And you say it with great conviction. So I'd say, Chris, I believe We've discovered a breakthrough that keeps people responsible for revenue from getting stuck behind not having bandwidth to apply what they know to the situation they're in right now. And the reason I reached out to you is to get 15 minutes on your calendar to share this breakthrough with you, not have the bandwidth to apply. What does that even mean? I don't know, but I know I'm responsible for revenue or growth. And maybe I don't have the bandwidth to apply everything I know. After all, every human being who works, according to Deming, who told us this a long time ago, works for pride of workmanship. And they're always frustrated that they don't have the time, the support, or the resources to do their job as well as they hold themselves accountable for. Hmm. That's the primary motivation of all people. The more senior they are, the more frustrated they are that they don't have the time, the res- you know, the time, the support, and the resources to do their job as well as they hold themselves accountable for. No one who buys anything in B2B thinks of what somebody else is holding them accountable for. They didn't get into that position of authority and responsibility right. without right. being self-motivated and self-accountable. So that's the that's universal and you know that's fascinating for me you know my icp is sales leaders at startups right by definition they don't have resources (laughs) yeah right Right? or support they're in fact they have negative support they're always having support pulled out from under them prepare this stupid thing for the board does that really you know i'm a cro right of a startup how many board meetings do i get to prepare one more thing for my skeptical Mm. board that asks me a bunch of questions that are not Mm. helpful in order to comfort themselves. Yeah. So I'm already having support pulled away. And then what if they say, well, why don't you just tell me right now? <laughs> I, I say, you know, Chris, we've learned the hard way that an ambush conversation like this isn't a fair setting to talk about something that's important. I'm a morning person. How's your Thursday? I'll shoot something over to you. We'll move it around if we have to. Okay. I like that. So give give the conversation the the gravitas that it deserves, right? Yeah, let's do this throw, properly. Throw as as peers, let's do this properly, right? Exactly. If this were unimportant, we could talk about it now, but it's not unimportant. I wouldn't call you about something unimportant. Yeah. I love that. So this is something that you will be working on at Connect and Sell, the, what we, I think you call it flight school. What was interesting to me before we get into flight school, Chris, is it took you a few years to get there to say, yeah, we should we should do this because you, you've mastered the technology side of it. And now you know, you, you're thinking about how do we educate everyone so they can do more with the, the technology, be more effective. 
What took you a few years to get to the point of actually wanting to build the, the flight school training? Well, one is I didn't think we knew enough. Two is I didn't think it was necessary. I thought the ecosystem would take care of it. I thought, how much sales training is oh, out yeah. there? How much of it is great, right? There's great sales training out there. What I didn't realize is that the unique experience of talking over and over and over to real prospects and being coached on every conversation and focusing on just the next part of the conversation, that that's what was needed. Because sales training didn't get to do that anymore because you couldn't get a hold of the prospects. So sales training for cold calling is let's call and practice leaving voicemails because that's all we get to do. <laughs> let's call and practice working through gatekeepers because that's the only other thing we get to do. And it's like, well, where's the part where you talk to the prospect? Oh, that happened. Oh, my God, it's the prospect. <laughs> right. And then now let's get our emotions under control. So it's very much about the reps emotions. What we realized is we had a unique opportunity to help people practice. And the way it all started was just these test drives that we're doing and a little bit of coaching would sneak in, right? Because we could get in and we're listening. It's like, well, why not tell somebody, hey, try this, right? Well, then it got more and more structure. And then there was a company that we were trying to help that really needed like structured training because of the kind of deal we did. The deal was, I'll never do this deal again. Unlimited use of Connect and Sell Fridays and Mondays for a month for a Ooh. fixed fee. And the reason for the deal was I had spare capacity of my 611 people back there. It was 472 back in that day who are navigating phone calls. So on Monday and Friday, I, have, I used to have a little spare capacity. We have since fixed that problem, but we used to have this, you know, because the shifts run every day and all that kind of stuff. And we realized, oh, we better help these people get really, really good on Friday so that they can knock it dead on Monday. And that's how flight school was born. It was just necessity for a customer. We thought, well, what does it consist of? Well, the first part of the conversation is takeoff, the opener. The second part of the conversation is going somewhere. It's that the breakthrough part, the breakthrough statement. The third part is, oh, now they're starting to object, right? We're set. Or tell me more. I call that the Venus flytrap objection, the one you brought up. Tell me more. Tell me what this right. is. Ah. Oh. I ain't going there, right? So the third, the third session, these are two-hour sessions, intensely coached, live calling, real prospects, real making money, right? That's called uh, turbulence, handling the objections. And then the fourth part is how do you ask for the meeting? And that's landing the airplane. So we just called it flight school. I mean, we just like named it on a flight coming back from this place and it stuck. And then when we started doing it with other companies, not as a product, but just trying it with teams, it was mind-blowing. We'd see 3X, 4X, 5X improvement immediately. And it stuck because they keep practicing. You know, it was interesting this morning. I, I was asked by someone, you know, give me a list of bullets about what makes great sales training. And, you know, I could go on for hours. But one of the things I wrote there was, you know, it needs to be light on theory and, and heavy on practice, heavy on actual doing stuff. And that's why I love what you just said there, right? This is not sitting there role-playing with your buddy about what you might do in a call, right? This is, okay. let's let's actually do some calls. Let's use the power yeah. of Connect and Sell and in that two hours, get get pretty intense about actually talking to real life prospects and learning, right? Exactly. And so it's so important to not only get the practice, but have it be structured, 
we all know that if you want to master something, you need to do it in a structure. And if it's a ballistic act, that is what happens first affects what happens second, what happens third, what happens fourth, like a golf swing, right? The golf swing, how you set up is going to have more impact on whether you get back to the impact area correctly with club head speed and square and all that good stuff than anything else. And yet the setup is static. You stand there. You know, I mean, it's like, put your hands in the club like this, have a posture kind of mm. like this. Because if you don't, the physics of the golf club just won't mm. work. It's designed to work with a certain setup. So until you master the setup, you're kind of toast. So we need to coach you on the setup. I, I've actually taught people how to play golf. And, you know, the thing is, like, you put your hands in the club, you stand there. I correct it. You put the club down, you pick the club back up, you put your hands in the club, you, it, I correct you. And after 30 repetitions, you can grip the club correctly and take a stance. I'm not going to let you swing the club before that because it's doomed. There's no hope. What are you going to like do magic? You know, you can't overcome. I'm a physicist by background. You can't make the physics go away. And it's the same in a cold call. If you don't master the first seven seconds and get trust, the rest of the call is utterly meaningless because the springboard to curiosity is trust. If you don't get there, you can't get there. So that's why it's got to be one at a time and you have to master it. And then you have to sleep too. So the other key is if you tried to learn two pieces in one session, like I'm going to learn how to get the trust and then I'm going to use the trust, you won't internalize getting the trust because you internalize it when you're asleep. Okay. Okay. So tell me more about that then. You, you break them up by days as well, the sessions, is that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So each session is two hours long. They tend to be separated by two days or more. There's no connect and cell usage in between normally. Some people let that happen. So the, the sequence actually is first a messaging workshop. The messaging workshop's an hour long. It's just about the psychology of the message. And then we plug in their own message. People are always offended. It's like, what are you going to get to our message? It's like, your message is irrelevant. It, it turns out you will have a bunch of different messages for the different personas and purposes, which is where you apply your research is to making lists that are one theme, monothematic lists. That's where the research goes is into making the list, not into like, do I have a dog? It's like, is the hypothesis that I share a problem with everybody else on the list that we might be able to get somebody curious about taking a meeting. So these might be, so your list that you're smart about it is, I don't know, operations centers, leaders of financial companies of this size. And therefore, you, you almost by definition, you've done some sort of customization, personalization, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you make the script work yeah. for that. But the envelope of the script, the framework of the script is around the human mind and the right. situation. The situation is you just ambush right. somebody and right. you are the scary, invisible stranger. Mm. You don't want to do this because you don't want to be the scary, invisible stranger. You're afraid of exile. So in the environment of evolution, the village, death was bad. Exile was worse. Mm. Getting thrown out of the village is really, really bad. It makes death look like nothing. So human beings are deeply afraid of being exiled, and they don't like to consciously go, like, offend somebody else. But worse than offending them is scaring them. So if you're considered to be scary by the other people in the village, that's really bad. Well, the really scary people are the people from across the river. They're really bad people. How do we know? Well, they paint their faces horizontally and we paint ours vertically. And they eat 
funny food and we eat good food and they talk weird. And when they're invisible, it's nighttime and they're here. And that's really bad. We do not like invisible strangers. And when we cold call, we are becoming the invisible stranger. We are that bad thing. That's why we say, I know I'm an interruption because we know we're the bad thing. That's how they see us. And they're afraid of us. So getting that in your head, they're afraid of you. You're afraid of making them afraid of you. You don't need to overcome your fear. You just need to push the button. You know, it's, it's funny listening to you, Chris. So for a physicist, you're, you're very passionate about learning and understanding all this. I, I don't know, but my fellow physicists have, I'm not going to speak about them. But, uh, <laughs> it, you know, I've been obsessed with hard problems since I was a kid. And the hardest problems are the ones that it's most difficult to get the data. And data about human beings is really difficult to get. It's really interesting as a result. But the science is still the science. It's still, you know, you're trying to figure out cause and effect. You never really figure it out, but you you come close enough to be able to apply it. And in that sense, I'm more of kind of, you know, an engineer or an applied physicist or whatever. This, applied psychology and applied physics are the same thing. I was a Fuller Brushman at one point when I was a young physics student. My first wife had had a miscarriage and we had medical bills and it was in Phoenix. I needed a job. So what job can you get in one day? Oh, selling door to door. Did I know anything about selling door to door? No, but I could think. So what did I think? When somebody opens a door into the 115 degree desert heat, they have one goal in life to get this door shut. And they have one constraint, which is they don't want to see themselves as a bad person. So, okay. I'll make this pretty quick, but I'm not going to say I'm going to make it quick because that's a stupid thing to say. So I would just say, hi, I'm Chris Beal. I'm your new Fuller Brush man. You probably don't know what Fuller Brush is. I sure don't. And then I just stand there. I sure don't. Was the last bit there? I sure don't. And they go, uh, how can I help you? Everybody would ask how they could help me. That's a pretty good place right. to start. I love that. And that's my understanding is maybe a rumor, maybe true that our company carries some products that you can't buy in stores, but are really good around the house. And if I were to go research our catalog and find one or two of these that I think would really change your life, can I come back and share them with you? Everybody said yes, so they could close the door. <laughs> Everybody said yes. Nobody said no. Nobody was willing to fight me on that mm. point. Like argue with me that you think about how the argument would be. It'd be a stupid argument, right? No, I don't want to do that. Well, Really? Because I'm not sure what we have, but I, I hear some of it's actually, you know, pretty interesting. By then they could have just said yes and shut the door, knowing I'm never going to come back. But I came back. I always come back, right? With products just for them that I'd researched for them. So I learned the generosity part of sales out of necessity, the, that the stuff that Andy Paul talks about in his new book, Sell, Sell Without Selling Out. I just learned it by necessity. If you're not generous in your first act with somebody, you're behind the power curve for the rest of the relationship. Hmm. You're playing catch up. So that first seven or eight seconds or seven seconds, as Chris Voss would say, is, is where it all starts in terms of bu building trust then. It's where it all starts and it's what you need to master. And flight school, if, if I were just to say, do one thing, just learn those two sentences, graft them on the front of your calls and 
when you, you'll find you're transformed internally when you go through the this emotional transition of being the bad thing. When you can accept that you are actually the problem after a lifetime of being told, don't be the problem, mm-hmm. right? When you're a little kid, don't be the problem. Don't be the problem. So, Chris, stop doing that. Quit kicking your sister. Can't you be nice to that dog? Do you ever do your chores? Don't be the problem. Don't be the That's all you hear as a kid, right? That's the tape going yeah. in your head. So now it's like, ooh, to be a professional at this thing where I help other people, I've got to embrace being the problem. It's actually no different from becoming a surgeon. To become a surgeon, I have to embrace something that is actually repugnant, which is not only the sight of blood, but cutting another person open. If I did it with a stranger on the street, that'd be really bad. That's called mayhem when you just walk up and cut somebody open. And it actually has a name in the criminal law statutes, mayhem. You cut them open. Ah, not good. And yet as a surgeon, I have to get over my reluctance to commit mayhem on another person because its intention is good and my skills are high and they've agreed to do it. Well, in the cold column, it's a little trickier. They haven't agreed to do it, but they sort of have. They answered mm-hmm. the phone. So what did they agree to do? To listen to whatever that person says. So say something helpful. What's helpful? Something that gets them from fear mm-hmm. to trust. Because you've relieved their fear, and that's helpful. And now they trust you, and that might be helpful to them, not to you. So, Chris, if someone's interested in flight school and wants to learn more, where would you send them? Well, there's a website called connectandsellflightschool.com that I really like. It's a really long long name. name. Or you can go to the connectandsell.com website and then look under like offerings and it says flight school. And then that takes you to that other one. That other one's a cool (laughs) website though. So it is, it's just, it's, it's better than our other website. It's cool. It's just put together correctly. It has airplanes on it. It (laughs) The thing about flight school is it's best done after a connect and sell test drive. The best sequence is just like you did on the, on the side of the road. That was a test drive. You were literally driving. Thank God you stopped driving yeah. in order to do your test drive. That is the best test drive story I've ever heard, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, you did a test drive. What's the test drive for? Just to experience the speed. I mean, it kind of shocked yeah. you, right? It was weird. It's strange. The emotions, The it's not about setting the meetings. You'll generally get lucky on the first call because you're, at that point, you're so innocent that the other party feels your innocence and they'll set a meeting with you. It's really weird, but it's hard to recapture. Then you have to become an expert, right? This is not true of surgery, by the way. You don't get lucky on the first go as a heart surgeon. Doesn't work. So, you know, come to the Connect and Sell website, fill out the little form that says, hey, I'd like to take a test drive. The test drive is full production, full day. Folks make millions of dollars on test drives or nothing. I mean, Tony Safoyan, the CEO of SADA, Google Cloud's number one partner. And I was on his podcast and I asked him, didn't you guys like, you know, make like a million dollars on your test drive with Connect and Sell? It was a three-hour test drive. And he laughed and his VP, Billy Franz, says tens of millions of dollars. They built tens of millions of dollars of pipeline in their three-hour wow. test drive with eight people. But sometimes the test drive simply reveals the obvious. There's room for improvement. Because guess what? There's always room for improvement. And then flight school makes sense because now you've felt it. It's not like a theoretical construct. It's like, hey, we listen to our people. I bet our list, our reps, and our message could all be better. And the delivery, you know, the tone, the pace, the purpose could all use some improvement. Okay. 
flight school, 10,000 bucks, five people go through it. Shining star is created. You have the top five cold callers in the world right there for your offering. And they're confident, they're competent, and you can use that to draw more in if you want. Or don't have a big, t- big team, five people, or you just want to kind of do it another way, just buy $10,000 and, and you know, you got a lot of time to use them because we'll tend to give you a flight school anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same deal. Actually, it's just a repackaging of the same deal. You come right. So back. connect and sell flight school.com is where to go to start the process. Well, I guess connect and sell, first of all, let's, you know, for the test drive and then yeah, go from there, right. Is, is the, is the, yeah. is the plan before we wrap up anything else you'd like to quickly cover? Well, if you really want to kind of get the idea inside of all this, there's one episode of my podcast. That's about the fuller brush experience, by the way, my podcast is called Market Dominance, guys, that Corey Frank and I do this thing together. It was just a book. It turned into a podcast and it still isn't a book, which is funny. So we failed on the book front so far, but we're doing okay at 122 episodes of the podcast, which is really hilarious. But way back at the beginning, there was an episode about the Fuller Brush thing called Don't Make the Spiders Angry. And I can highly recommend, go anybody listening to this, go search marketdominanceguys.com on Spotify or Apple or whatever, and look for the episodes, like episode five or seven or something says, don't make the spiders angry. And I think it encapsulates the deepest truth in all of this, which is the product you're trying to sell is not your product. It's the universal product of B2B. It's a meeting which offers somebody the opportunity to learn from you, the specialist, what they, the generalist, might be able to use in their business, in their life. That's the product. It's the only universal product, but it is the universal product. And we go into what does that really mean? How does it affect everything from targeting strategy, go to market? Everything is profoundly impacted by what we talk about in Don't Make the Spiders. Don't Make the Spiders Angry. There you go. That's a great thing to wrap up on and, and go look for on Market Dominance Podcast, you said. Is that right? Market Dominance Guys. It's like the car guys, but it's Market Awesome. Guys. Well, Chris, I've, as I thought I would, I enjoyed the conversation. Really good insights into areas that I hadn't thought of before. Many thanks for joining us today. Fantastic, Andrew. This is so much fun. It would mean a lot to me and to the continued growth of the show if you'd help get the word out. So how do you do that easily? There are two ways. Firstly, just simply send a link to a friend. Send a link to the show, to this episode. Um, You can email it, text it, Slack it, whatever works for you and is easy for you. The second way is to leave a super quick rating. And sometimes that can seem complicated, so I've made it as easy for you as I can. You simply have to go to ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. That's ratethispodcast.com slash cyber and explains exactly how to do it. Either of these ways will take you less than 30 seconds to do and it will mean the world to me. So thank you.